I stay knit. I've seen footage. What's that? Can't tell. Handheld dream. Shot in hell. Deep space ghetto streets. Street. Show me something I ain't seen before. Mystery behind that. Death door. Two set. Electrocute the floor. Watch the science of flying that high. Gotta know no door. One time. Hello and sorry about the podcast. I'm James. This is Vivian. Sorry. And this is a show about two queer best buds that want to talk about all the things that really make them squee. My topic this week is the amazing fandom that sprung up around our flag means... (coughs) This is the only queer platonic podcast that isn't run by pedophiles. So there you go. Yeah. Bold uh, non-pedophile stance. That's uh, we're we're non-pedophile. We're not going to be talking about pedophilia. We're just going to sort of silently enter the non-pedophile uh like side of the the culture war. Yeah, we're we're sort of like the the blue helmets of the culture war. We're like the United Nations of not being a pedophile. <laughs> yeah. Hey Viv. What's that, James? What do you want to talk about? Oh. Well, I've been doing a lot of reading about this this guy, Ted Bundy, and I just don't get how he's like so unfairly vilified when he's so cute. He's though. so cute, right? That's what I'm saying. He's so cute. Yeah. I you know, I saw some really wonderful uh, flower crown edits of him, and that, that that just makes me think like, you know, I don't know what this guy did, but like he he seems like a sweetie pie. I just don't think anybody who drives a Volkswagen Beetle bug. A beetle's a kind of bug. I don't want to get into entomology etymology with you. See, I, I just don't get it because we said we're the non-pedophile podcast, but that's a joke that only a pedophile who like works for the New York Times would like. Well, we aren't a pedophile podcast, but I mean, I can't control what our listeners are doing. I want to just like cultivate an understanding that we think all of you are just fucking degenerates for listening to us. Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought that was pretty well established, but it never hurts to reinforce. But yeah, the true crime genre to me is is an interesting case study of what happens when people get murdered and there's also television happening around them. It turns out that people then essentially turn all their suffering and just, you know, like destruction of the lives of literally them because they got murdered and also their family members. And they turn it into content where somebody just uh, badly put, puts on like lipstick in front of a camera for like 30 minutes and talks about like Elisa Lamb or whatever. Oh God, yeah. Um, Elisa Lamb specifically is one of those cases where when, whenever whatever fucking type of like paranormal or true crime or whatever, like fucking like shit media outlet, like, and today we're going to be talking about Elisa Lamb. It's like, okay, well, yeah. just kill yourself, I guess. No, did you see that Netflix documentary about her? I did not. That's, wow. It was, okay. It was like something about like, it, it, I think it was just named after the hotel, but the whole thing is so fucking gross because it's framing it as though the hotel is just an, a thing where evil evil things happen you just where yeah it, it's not just that like oh it might be in like a poor area or oh like you know people people maybe do crime in 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 places where they're like they have all kinds of horrible shit like stacked against them it might just be in fact that there's like an evil ghost that makes people like die in weird ways yeah it's also really great to equate like um innate evil like supernatural um yeah. evil with uh what happened with Elisa Lamb. That's just like a great look for everyone involved. Well, I mean, I guess that's just kind of a weird framing for true crime in general. Where the the framing is always like, oh, this serial killer is like a monster. Uh, like all these people are like demons and all that shit. Like fuck all of them, obviously. Duh, uh, yeah, we're also anti serial killer. Just it's such a weird mythologizing of it that makes them seem way more interesting than they actually are. When the vast majority of serial killers 
get away with what they get away with because they're preying on, I don't know, people who, like, the police already don't give a fuck about. Like, sex workers, like, people of color. Like, they, it's just that the cops are shit and stupid. That's why. It's not yeah. because serial killers are, like, it's fucking Sam Fisher. Like, it's stupid as fuck. And I, and, and I think the most true crime reflects a complete misunderstanding of that where they like the eventually the cops stop fucking up and it's like well there you go they did their job you know this is like the hero cop it's bullshit sometimes the cops stop fucking up or sometimes the serial killer just fucks up so bad that it's impossible for the cops to ignore yeah exactly well i mean frequently it's due to just pr at that point enough people know about it that they have to catch it or the cops start losing legitimacy well i guess it's yeah i mean it's it's also about like whether or not the um you know the perpetrator actually sows any fear in the demographics that actually care about the cops you know yeah when they start feeling scared then the cops actually have a, a driving you know a, a driving force yeah. to actually do something about it i mean the th- the thing is there are probably way more fucking serial killers than we'll ever know about just because they didn't fuck up and, like, kill a white woman once. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, there there are so many, like, people missing, and there are so many small towns in particular that just have, like, weird shit going on. Or they, like, cover it up, or, or, or they, like, just pick some random guy. And, of course, in the bigger cities, especially... I don't... It, I bet it's just as bad in Canada, but I know the statistic... For uh, the United States, it's just, like, really bad in terms of clearing rate for murders and other violent crimes in, uh, like, big cities. I think that, like, the just, like, weird reporting on all of that has kind of led to the flower crownification of, of, like, Ted Bundy or, like, fucking John Wayne Gacy or whatever. Is because if you start seeing them as, like, weird monster freaks, I mean, people already woobify, like, Kylo Ren and these people are already so estranged from their actual, like, the things that they've done that the only time people see them is in, like, media that makes them seem like these absolute fucking weirdos, like, but, like, in a dark and twisted, like, supervillain kind of way. And so, of course, like, people who don't understand the world or, or don't, like, have any life experience are, are just gonna, like, fucking turn around and, and make them into these weird, like, alt icons. You either get that or you get the flip side of the coin, which is, like, inspiring, like cultural panic amongst like white woman podcast listeners and getting them by ring cameras and shit i think that's like it, it it's interesting how when i was growing up all the reporting about charles manson and stuff and like the you know the retrospectives were all like yeah he's like a dark hippie he's like an evil hippie and this is like representative of, of the cultural climate in general and i honestly feel like a lot of that was probably used to just demonize like fucking countercultural movements uh, yeah yeah but actual flower crown people uh who who uh he's i guess he like had a reverse flower crown really Mm. um yeah yeah i think something that interests or is interesting to me about the true crime phenomenon because like yeah it's definitely had a huge boom i mean specifically with the rise of podcasts hey hey we're contributing um oh yeah hey hey but what's interesting to me is like It'll wax and wane, but as a cultural phenomenon, it's, like, nowhere near new. Oh, yeah. There was, uh, in, like, the, I think, like, late 1800s, there was a case of, like, some guy who uh, killed a sex worker he was in a relationship with, and it became, like, a absolute, like, media sensation. It was sort of, like, a, not one of the first, but it was, a unusual at the time for that to happen, and, like, I, I guess that just goes to show when, when people are 
critical of true crime, which I, I do like that. I guess I don't like it when they frame that as there is something uniquely new and wrong with culture as it exists now. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's a kind of drive towards always trying to make the current cultural moment seem like the weirdest and most crazy thing imaginable. It's almost like just more of the innate narcissism that most people have, and that's like intrinsic to posting online in the first place, including this podcast. Look at us. Um, <laughs> it's because if you think of yourself as, as, as born from like really weird and unique circumstances, and that's why we're acting in the way that we do, then... You're, it's going to be easier for you to post being like, wow, isn't it crazier that we're posters and, and people from like 1900, they wouldn't have been posting as much. They'd just be going to the factory in it. Like, that's not really how that works. I think people have always been just generally like this and we're being like narcissistic about being narcissistic. Yeah. Girl, uh, women be on their phones also. Oh, women do be on their phones. Yeah, I... I really don't like the the prevalence of like i mean i don't listen i think i really only listen to one true crime podcast that shall not be named but you know the one and uh stepping outside of that if at all ever it is just the bleakest shit they're literally just like advertising like ring cameras and like private security systems and it's just like man are they really oh my god <laughs> i didn't i didn't know that that like true crime podcasts are advertising fucking like security shit that's insane i mean i think as far as I know, ring cameras are pretty prevalent in as far as like a as just like a general podcast advertiser. But from what I can tell, they definitely have a, a, a bigger foothold in that subculture. Well, that's that's like when the McElroys uh, advertise that. Oh, the loan shark service. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's they're preying on their audience who already makes bad decisions, like listening to a McElroy podcast. <laughs> in, tw in 2022, I'll say I was, you know. We we were all caught in Look, the yeah, in the world of us pool. Are yeah, but uh, like now, come on. Yeah, come on. Listen to us instead. We're uh. Yeah, we're uh, we're we're never gonna like post our fucking family photo albums. We don't have like a third homunculus version of us that that's gonna come on and be like completely unfunny and just like ruin a D and D game. Oh yeah. By the way, we will be starting a D and D series soon. <laughs> I, I plan to be so so tender about it. My my character is a um a halfling dwarf, and good god, the trauma he went through. It's gonna take multiple arcs to unpack that. Yeah, my my character is kind of like if a tiefling had swag, but not enough swag to not be. And no good slimo. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, I don't know. There. Sometimes I, I I get caught in the uh the, the siren call that affects all uh middle class white women, and and just like sometimes I do listen to a true crime podcast, but you can really tell the difference between when somebody is just doing shit because they're like, oh my god, I can't believe that. Uh, this person was murdered. This like has some some sort of far reaching conspiracy that I can post on TikTok or whatever. Or like, oh, this guy is like uniquely evil, but the hero cops saved them. Because true crime media that is actually good talks in depth about how much the cops fuck up. Yeah, because they fuck up a lot. Like I have fallen a victim to my own devious impulses to listen to true crime enough times that I can tell the cops fuck up a whole lot in regards to the most famous cases. And if there's a famous case where you think somebody is like super fucking uniquely evil and like ultra genius, I guarantee you they're a cop fucked up somewhere, like egregiously, worse than the average person would. Because frequently these podcasts actually end up 
doing something and like shifting the needle or like finding fucking something and then the cops take like credit for it that's happened several times yeah i guess i've never really listened to anything that deals with like um contemporary events usually it's at least like 10 years removed oh well yeah i'm seeing even in that situation they they tend to uncover shit in the investigation or they're like wow this random person who who was like friend with friends with uh, like murdered murder Jones from this small town of five people was never investigated, like or never interviewed or anything like that. That happens more often than you'd think. It's actually like kind of widespread. Jesus. Yeah. You didn't play the quarry, did you? No. What's that? Uh, it's you know until dawn. I do know until dawn. It's the next until dawn type by that studio. It's another kind of like just interactive narrative kind of thing. Yeah, interactive movie. Yeah, basically that. No, I just thought it was semi-relevant because uh, the framing device of that, or like a semi-framing device of it, is a paranormal slash true crime podcast. Interesting. I don't really necessarily have much to say about it because I have not played it firsthand, but I I guess it's just interesting how much that is like leaking into uh, popular culture even outside of it now. Okay, I I will actually say I do love media that's like a mockumentary in the true crime style that they use to just make supernatural shit seem more real. I have two two movies that I really like. Uh, one one is Ghost Watch and another is Lake Mungo. They're both like horror horror mockumentaries. Fucking Ghost Watch is kind of remarkable because it caused a public panic. It was it was broadcast during the eighties on the BBC. And it, it was framed entirely like a just normal news report, like 60 minutes kind of thing. But the, the whole crux of it was that they would keep showing footage from this supposed paranormal ghost investigation. And they would play these tapes from this like ghost recording. All of it was fake, obviously, but it was like using these like scripted kind of like weirdly haunting guy just talking up close to a microphone. It like gradually goes crazier and crazier. And by the end of it, uh, people were literally calling the BBC to be like, what the fuck? Or they're like calling the police. It was interesting because the whole thing with Orson Welles. Oh, sure. Yeah. uh, With his War of the Worlds and people thinking that aliens were real. And like that was broadly pumped up to be more than what it actually was. It wasn't actually that crazy. Not that many people did that. But with Ghostwatch, a decent amount of people actually freaked the fuck out. It was pretty interesting. Oh, no, that reminds me of... I cannot remember the exact name. You probably heard of it. That um, mockumentary local news Halloween special where they do like a Toraga haunted house thing. Uh, no, I don't think I've heard oh. of it. Okay, well, I'll I'll find the name later and uh, dub it in. W N U F Halloween special. But it's played extremely straight, like hour long special. It looks exactly like someone taped it off their VCR as it was airing of like a yeah a local no- news crew touring a supposedly like local haunted house and it deals with a lot of that and deals with um the satanic panic at the time the amount of like detail and effort that went into it is just insane they did all the commercials oh damn really like <laughs> yeah they did the all rules. the commercials and they and there it's like and it's like local tv commercials so there will be like a dentist and then there will be like a crowd shot where they're interviewing people and the dentist will also be there <laughs> 
<laughs> my god uh, no it's very good i don't want to give away too much about it because it's uh just a really fun watch yeah but that yeah that, that reminded me of that um and I, I have seen lake mungo as well that's extremely good yeah i i don't want to give away too much about lake mungo either all i'll say is that people are weirdly divided on it i think it's fucking great it's like one of the most horrifying movies else i've ever seen i don't mean in terms of like scariest i mean horrifying like the implications of it made me think it's it's also it's also got a really interesting structure because it is kind of a slow burn like it just kind of reveals more and more things that kind of build up the sense of dread and then and again i won't spoil it but there's like one point in it where it just fucking hits and you're like oh jesus christ and then the rest of it is almost just kind of a like, it almost feels like a reverberation of that scream that just happens there. Metaphorically. Yeah, no, I, I, I highly recommend, like, Mungo. It's fucking great. Don't look up too much about it. If you're going to watch it, just fucking watch it. It's great. Yeah. I, I'm at a bit of a quandary right now because I had a topic prepared that is actually quite relevant, coincidentally, to what we've been talking about. But I also just remembered something that's relevant directly right now that I could also talk about at length. Just do it. Plug it. Go with the flow. Hi, Vivian. Hello, James. Are we going to do this every segment? Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> Is this just how we're going to do it? I suppose. What's up? Uh, hi. Yeah. I, I want to talk about It Follows. Oh, that's a good movie. It's a pretty good movie, I've been told. Never seen it. Really? No, I, I have. I saw it like two nights ago. Again. Oh, so you're a liar then. So you've lied. I need to get the uh, tire iron. Oh, no. hey, 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 It Follows is probably my knee-jerk reaction whenever someone asks me what my favorite horror movie is. For a number of reasons. Uh, I mean, you know me. Obviously, it's a very fucking pretty movie. Also, the soundtrack by... Wait, who... hmm? I don't... I don't... Who, who are you? Hey, Vivian, Vivian, Vivian. What? You're on, you're on a podcast right now? Oh, that's... Well, that's gay, that's gay, though. I'm your co-host. I'm James. I wouldn't do that. That's stupid. I no I, anyway. I yeah it's a it's of course a very beautiful movie and the soundtrack by a disaster piece is um extremely good. I don't believe it uses any like um generic or even separately recorded like stings or jump scare noises or anything like that. As far as I can tell every piece of audio that does not come into a microphone is from the soundtrack. That's actually that's pretty unusual, isn't it? Like I, I I don't know if a lot of other movies operate in that way. They don't really usually. I mean, it's not even like a trying to emulate older styles thing because mm-hmm. even in like older movies, they would they wouldn't do that. They would rely on like you know sound effects and stuff like that. And yeah, I'm sure yeah. there's like foley work that was done, but in, but like everything that's not supposed to be a part of like the diegetic sound is mm-hmm. I think as far as I can tell directly pulled from the soundtrack. That's interesting. I wonder like how far in advance they picked the soundtrack then. It also does a really great sort of subtle, almost dreamlike alternate history thing where most of the characters will drive like pristine cars from the 70s or the 80s and then like some character will be driving a Prius stuff like that there's also stuff that just doesn't can't be placed anywhere like one of the characters Yara uses a an e-reader that is like a little clamshell almost like a DS Kindle looking thing that seems to just be whole cloth invented for the movie stuff like that there's actually a really great panning shot it pans across a bunch of rooms in a a hospital and there will be like normal looking nurses and then in just in one of the rooms that it passes over there's a woman in like 
old like white cotton like nursing garb from like the 60s or something and it's not lingered on at all you could easily miss it it just it it all lends itself to creating a really i don't want to say dreamlike because like i mean it does feel dreamlike but that feels i don't know that feels like a little bit of a cop-out it just feels like it creates an extremely unique atmosphere for it it that seems like it would just make the audience sort of feel like something's just ever so slightly off yeah where they're they're noticing things just out the corner of their eye like oh that doesn't seem like it fits but like I, I know when i watched that movie which was a while ago but when i saw it i didn't pick up on any of that really i just kind of felt a sort of overwhelming sense of unease at what was happening and i i, I guess that just like almost subconsciously lends itself to that which, which is pretty neat I, I like it when movies fuck around with stuff like that and i i can also imagine the most annoying like reddit post of all time being like hey uh this is actually a continuity error uh <laughs> well like, well, like, what happens in it follows you know run-of-the-mill teenage girl a uh, single parent household a sister neighborhood friends that are always over she goes on a date with this guy she's been seeing for a while things go well they have sex consensually and then after that he chloroforms her ties her to a wheelchair while he explains the premise of the movie, which is that there is a sexually transmitted curse. They don't ever really call it anything or name it. Sort of just the monster. I don't think they even stick to that name. It's it that follows. Uh, and the way it works is after you get it, there is one singular entity that will just walk in pretty much a straight line to you at a slow pace and never stop until it gets to you and does uh, some real bad shit to you. No, I was thinking watching it most recently, the way the camera work really primes you to just be on edge at all times after you learn the premise of what's happening. Mm. Yeah, yeah. In a lot of shots, it'll the camera will just drift away from what's happening and do, I think at points, do a full 360 of the environment. And most of the time there's nothing there. But if you look a couple times, even in scenes where it doesn't catch up to them, it will just be walking towards them in a crowd or something. See, that that kind of reminds me of Ghostwatch a bit. Because in Ghostwatch, some, once in a while, they'll just pan around like a normal room. But if you pay attention, there's just like some weird fucking ghost guy just like behind a curtain or something. And it, and it happens like eight times. <laughs> yeah, I think um, the newest Invisible Man movie did that a lot as well. Wait, wait there's what? There's an Invisible, like the, the old classic? Yeah, yeah, they made a remake like a year or two ago. Is it good? Uh, I haven't seen all of it firsthand, but I have heard it's pretty good. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder if that's linked with that Warner Brothers dark universe they were going to do that immediately fucking fell apart, but they still made a glamour shot. <laughs> I love that fucking image. It's so funny because they, <laughs> they're all so like, yes, here, here we're going to do this. And then just the, f- the first movie, wasn't it The Mummy? It was just shit. Oh, The Mummy so they just fucking completely... bombed completely. Yeah. Yeah, the on- the only good thing that came out of the mummy was when it was shown as an advertisement on a sports game, and a logo said had like just a letter C, and it said the Kami. Oh yeah, it was also good when they accidentally uploaded a trailer with half of the audio tracks missing. Yeah, that was great. I honestly, they should have just edited the movie like that. Then it would have at least been interesting in a kind of like Tim and Eric kind of way. Mm-hmm. So I guess the uh, the moral of it follows is don't ever have sex or you'll die, right? Well, that's the thing that I was thinking about. The other thing I was thinking about when I last watched it was just how absolutely in your face the like uh, STDs and stigma 
and like the fear of that is. And I almost wonder if that gives it a little more freedom to do stuff that's a more understated. I mean, I'm not, I think of the two of us, you're much more of like the themes and stuff like that minded person when watching a movie. Try as I might, usually don't fully pick up on stuff like that. It's because like I, I'm pursuing a, a degree that's just uh, nothing but essay writing that gives me like zero practical experience. And you, you've like taken a bunch of cool photos and stuff that people could like. <laughs> so uh, that's that's kind of that's kind of reflected in our approaches to stuff. Yeah, I'm the bitch who knows themes. This bitch knows themes. If if you need like a theme understander, you've got me. Just just ask me to make a really annoying like twenty tweet thread about how uh fucking Peppa Pig is actually undoing British colonialism. I can do that all day. Peppa Pig's mom is basically supposed to be Margaret Thatcher. Peppa Pig's mom's fucking bussin', dude. Oh shit, for real, for real? You know, I'll I'll just I'll just say just Google it. That's all you need. <laughs> I don't want to, the main thing is just that I don't want to extrapolate on this point, uh, because then my true feelings will be revealed. Listen, I I respect that. And I was, I will respect your privacy in this matter. This is going to be publicly uploaded, but. That's fine. I I can maybe just like, just like bleep out. You know, you know what I'll do is I'll just like, uh, like rip some, some dialogue from like an audio book for like. The Hunger Games, and just put that in for the last, like, 30 seconds. Can we actually just make that the whole episode, just re-upload the Hunger Games? We're probably small enough now that they wouldn't catch it for a while. <laughs> like an ant. Yeah. If an ant if an ant was, like, evil, you wouldn't know. If an ant, like, illegally downloaded Better Call Saul, you couldn't tell. <laughs> On their, like, pebble computer. <laughs> oh, that's a cute image. Someone should, like... Well, now we have AI generators to make that for us. Okay, so those are interesting Mm -hmm. because everyone freaks the fuck out. Like they're the death of art. Like, like it's it's gonna make everybody's like lives worse that there's like AI generated art. And I guess yeah, that's true. But like, you know, whatever. I think that art is kind of the devil's domain in the first place. I think anybody who 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 puts something on paper or anything like that is actually just. The Beelzebub, the demon himself, is is speaking directly through them. I'm I feel a little bit attacked right now. That's okay. That's just because, like, you know, you could ever you can always stop just being a heathen, and then okay. that would also be fine. Yeah, people tell me that about a lot of stuff, and you know what? They're right in I think all cases. I mean, the good news is that podcasting is a, a fundamentally empty form, so you're kind of undoing that right now. I can feel like my essence just like wafting out through my mouth and just dissipating into the ether right now, which is like honestly making me feel a lot better about a lot of things. What if like every religion is wrong except for the depiction of the afterlife in Luigi's Mansion 1 and 2? Like what what would we do with that case? Well, I would probably go play Luigi's Mansion. What if it's never stopped being the year of Luigi? What if we've only exited it? But it's still there. That's the only year that still exists in the timeline before us. What if on the timescale of the Luigian calendar, pretty much all of human existence has just been about a month? That would make sense. Because, like, Luigi has such kind wisdom to his beautiful eyes that you don't typically see in the Italian race. Uh, listen, the Dagos are not a very, like, emotive people. But damn, Luigi. Yeah, Dagos. Yeah, not a Dagos bow when I don't jack off the Luigi. Hi, it's me, James. Don't worry, this isn't an ad. Just wanted to let you know that by the time you're listening to this, the show should now be up on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple shit, all the slop aggregators. We're in the slop now. If you perhaps want to give us a rating on your trough of choice, that would be much appreciated. Okay, bye. There should be more podcasts for orcs.
I mean, there's already uh, the uh, the Joe Rogan experience. Yeah, the Joe Rogan okay. experience. There's there's um fucking barstool sports. Oh god. Oh shit. R.I.P. Um, big big. I... He didn't die. Frank the Tank didn't die. Frank the Tank's alive. He died in my heart. Frank the Tank is like a wonderful specimen. This this man who's like clear like probably like over three hundred pounds for sure. He looks like five two. Uh, he appears to be making food as though he's trying to conduct alchemy rather than making something edible where he takes a a rotisserie chicken and turns it into just an unrecognizable slag of carbon that's still somehow wet he really does like use ingredients like the way alchemists did before we understood what chemicals were but like he appears to be fully into it you know i don't know if you could exploit someone who doesn't have like it's not developmental he's just he's just like this like, we all see, you know, people just are like this, where they just make horrible, f- fucking awful meals in their, like, kitchen of horrors, and just, like, nobody bats an eye, but as soon as you start working for bar- Barstool Sports, then you're supposed to be more of, like, a moral paragon, and it really, like, reflects poorly on us as a society. I think it reflects great on us. I think we're doing amazing. I think it's just beautiful. I would eat any of his disgusting meals. I would eat... I guess I would eat one of his hot dogs because he just cooks them. He just cook. What do you mean? He just cooks them. He'll he'll he has like a genre of cooking video where it's like Frank makes X and it's like hot dogs and he's like, then I put them on a griddle for a couple minutes and then I put them in the bun and it's it's delicious hot dog. That sounds excellent. I love a hot dog that could have been made in The Sims. I think they should do like a guest spot with Frank the ha- with Frank the Tank on uh on Bon Appetit. Yeah, I mean, it probably won't be... What What was the thing with Bon Appetit? That, where they, they were... Oh, yeah, they have a series on there where, like, one guy does a bunch of, like, live-cultured foods and fermentation and stuff like that. And I think, like, multiple times they've had to issue retractions or apologies. Like, do not make this. There's a risk of botulism. That rules. <laughs> no, Frank the Tank would be welcome on there. Yeah. I think more, more people should watch Frank the Tank's videos, because, like... They're all filmed from an angle that reflects, like, a, a, a hostage's view. But, like, a hostage who's, like, two inches tall. Like, he's a giant just tormenting a normal person. This is, like, what happens if, like, an Elden Ring boss doesn't want to kill you. <laughs> he just kind of toys with you, like like the ant bully. Yeah. We should have him on. He's a beautiful soul. We could get him on. Let's bring Frank on. Yeah. Frank, if you're listening to this, we'd love to have you on. You know, Frank's been a fan of, of us for a whole, like, uh, for, 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 like, years at this point, really. Like, just as individuals, we come up to his house and we sort of, like, remove all the leeches from his body and, like, the ticks from his hair. And then I usually, like, take all of his copper wiring, but he doesn't notice. Yeah, he doesn't notice. He doesn't actually need electricity to make any of his food. He just needs, like, his breath is hot enough to heat up. Jeez, come on. (laughs) What is this lore? I don't know. I just want to slander someone. (laughs) Like, I just want to make someone... (laughs) I I love that genre of, like, person online who just does horrible things and everyone's like, yeah, good job, Frank. And just, like, it's not quite lolcow status, but it is, like not like people don't respect him like nobody respects frank the tank but he's getting paid by barstool sports that's almost worse to me that he works for a company and he's doing all of this i'm really glad like kiwi farms has never found him 
God, I don't think they need to. Like, what could they do worse to him than what he does to himself voluntarily every time he fucking enters a kitchen? No, he, he would, it, it, it would be less toxic than if he was making food in Chi Shuang Di's mercury pools near his fucking tomb. If he was like a terracotta soldier, it, it would his his health would be absolutely the same compared to like what he does right now because of the food that he eats. He could be grilling a burger on the demon core. Okay, if they want to make the demon core seem as scary as it is, why do they name it something so cool? That sounds like the name of an EDM album made by a guy who like... To me, demon core sounds like what like a 28-year-old pansexual would call it when they put on red lipstick and like winged eyeliner. <laughs> <laughs> you can say Travis McElroy. Oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't do him the honor of calling him pansexual. He would I, I feel like he every day like like just fucking stares into the mirror and tries to adapt his narcissism to such an extent where he's just attracted to men. Because then, <laughs> then he could have so much clout, but it, he can't. He can't do it. And it torments him. And you can see it in his tweets. He's just he's he's lost the plot. I haven't tuned in to any of any content he's in for a long time. I, <laughs> I, I imagine I'll, I'll like randomly like come across like a clip from a, like a Bam Bam episode in like three years, and he's just gonna have like the Immortan Joe voice. <laughs> just <laughs> do not become addicted to a husky Latina maid. No, <laughs> you. <laughs> Your Google image search will leave you wanting for more. <laughs> Those were the only times when he was real. Was when he was tweeting about how he was horny for a husky Latina maid. Also that and when, when he jumped for joy because he, at his Best Buy loss prevention job, prevented someone from shoplifting like a pair of earbuds or something. That's the real Travis McElroy. Yeah, yeah, that was that was so cool. Just that fun anecdote of like, I got someone arrested and I was so happy I couldn't contain myself. I did a queer little jump. God, I, I love how... See, I, I have like fucking Cassis Belly to call him soy because I'm literally on HRT. He's so fucking, he's like, an e, he's taking like evil soy. He's taking soy that makes him a worse person as well. He does a soy face like when he sees somebody who's getting arrested by the cops for, for like fucking minor petty theft. I'll occasionally see like right wing people making fun of him and it's just like, man, we got it covered. We're good. <laughs> like... <laughs> See, a right-winger wouldn't understand what's wrong with Travis McElroy. They yeah. would just consider him just a triggered SJW lib. Oh no, there's so much more to him. There's so much, like, fucking pathos to the person that he is that you just can't cover in a, a, a label like that. God, he's he's like a fucking, like, villain from something. I wonder what he would be doing right now if the podcast Empire crumbled. Like... God. Well, I mean, he was like a theater kid before, right? Uh, God, now, he, yeah. he would just keep being, he would probably just keep doing that and just being like, God, I imagine him as a theater teacher. He'd be teaching like ninth grade theater and he would like expect everybody to be the exact same energy as him. Like, okay, guys, we're, <laughs> we're going to do this, this fucking Tennessee Williams play. Hey, um, Rebecca, Rebecca, being flat in a scene is what bad people do. Rebecca, you need to understand that this is a serious production and you can't come in here on your TikTok or your Twitter and expect everybody else to give you the same respect. I I listened to his fucking um <laughs> his uh, his uh like current events podcast with Brental Floss. Oh, yeah. He is easily the most bearable part of that show. 
Because he's just like, I think it's crazy that like abortion's being taken away, which yeah, fair enough. But then like Travis McElroy comes on and he talks about it like, like th- this is not okay. He says it in the same voice as like if he was scolding somebody for being minorly rude during like a play date with his kids or whatever. I'm vaguely aware that he used to do a prepper podcast. What? A prepper podcast? Yeah, he used to do like an like apocalyptic prepper podcast what really Uh uh-huh oh my god i (laughs) so at some point i think i might want to find if there are like episodes of that still out there and use that as my just do a deep dive on that one time because that would i i cannot imagine the depths to which that goes to god i love that i i love how like he's the distillation of many kinds of guy into one and and then you can look at him and see the person that he is and just be like, Travis McElroy core is a genre of person. And the closer you are to that, like the less bearable you are. But it's a weird thing because like to a certain extent, the core of it is influenced directly by him. It's, di- it's directly influenced oh, by people sure. trying to emulate him. Yeah. And, and, you know, just to be clear... None of this is a moral judgment. Oh, yeah. I I don't think he's a bad guy. I don't fucking care. The person he is is so far removed from his persona. And also, that's the case for literally everybody. Is that if you're like an online media person, it's not the same as, as you as a person. Travis McElroy, the, the being, is different from Travis McElroy, the, the poster. The, the one who is in posts. <laughs> Being soy is what bad people do. God, I love that entire thing. I feel like people have people forgotten about that. I hope not, because it's so fuck. It's like the funniest thing he's done since that tweet about the husky Latina maid. Well, no, I I, I know the funniest thing he's done since that. Well, he yeah, also has that like, tweet. <laughs> I give this pick three awugas, sixteen oh, big boners, and eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. Another fucking okay that one was like recent too yeah that was that's like a great. couple days I, I ago love that that's what he's doing an an underrated or i guess underreported old tweet of his that's just excellent is the one that's like co-worker doesn't understand why i want a fondue machine stupid bitch <laughs> <laughs> i love that that's something you would say to like me privately well yeah no that's like i think that one is completely relatable yeah if someone doesn't understand why you want a fondue machine like, honestly, to hell with them. To hell with everything they've ever done. Honestly, I, I don't think there's anything that could really get me to start listening to McElroy content again. But I will say, yeah. it did kind of go downhill the second they realized, like, oh, the fan base we've cultivated won't tolerate if we're, like, rat rowdy guys. Well, that kind of happened very early on. It, I remember they always say, oh, don't ever listen to the old episodes or whatever. And then you listen back and it's like, oh God, what were they doing? Were they like doing like fucking, uh, what's the name of that guy from Vice Media who turned out to like make the Proud Boys? Oh, Gavin McGinnis? Yeah. Like you, you expect them to be doing like Gavin McGinnis shit from like t- 2009 or whatever. But then you listen and they're just like, God, it's, it's, that's so fucking gay. And they just say that once. Yeah. Like they were, ref- they refer to a woman as a bitch once. And it's like, yeah, you did that in 2012. And th- this is why like it. Yeah, they got a career from from responding to that and being like, okay, yeah, we we should really like clean it up. And the thing is, it's not an awful impulse, but you need to like be cognizant of who you're taking advice from. <laughs> yeah, like 
it was re- oh, god it was always it was the furry stuff that i think really like made them i think i was like 16 the last time i listened to it i can't really remember specifics like but i remember year. i remember it being I like i feel like they just expressed like basic like distaste in it which yeah. is like look no no like yeah whatever uh if you're furry it's whatever but like you kind of i i always found that if you're gonna have any respect for furries or like juggalos and stuff like that it's like it's because they actually don't give a fuck and they just do whatever and they're yeah. just like having a good like if all of a sudden you're like on podcast talking about like oh my god this is like so fucked up like you shouldn't be doing this this is like really bothered me then like you lose that and you're just actually scolding people for thinking it's weird to fuck as an animal that's a little it's a little weird is it morally wrong no but it is a little weird right I think the comparison to Juggalos is a is a great comparison because the Juggalos are completely countercultural. They are outside of culture. They do not yeah. give a shit if anybody goes on a podcast and says, oh, these people are kind of fucking weird. Yeah, they don't give a fuck. They'll probably just be like, yeah, fuck you. And then just like keep going. They don't give a shit. Yeah. And like, I think like being a furry is like obviously not as extreme, but I think it's pretty countercultural. It's ex- it's an yeah. extremely weird thing to do, but the difference is they don't really generally accept that they are countercultural and they view a l- they view people like not even expressing like hatred towards them, just expressing like this is fucking weird. They view that as like, "Oh, hey. Come on. Did you know? Did you know? Oh, this is the same as being gay." So like you're actually being really homophobic. I I don't get that at all. Honestly, I, I mean, I under like I get there's like a disproportionate amount of like gay and autistic people in furry communities for whatever yeah. reason. But I'm gay. You're autistic and also gay. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. You can't really pull that card when people are just being like, "Hey, you're chill," but this is weird. Yeah, this is weird. It's like a weird thing to do. And I mean, we're we're far enough. Like, it's furries have been around for like decades at this point. No, literally, I think we're like maybe like three years away from it getting to to the level of acceptance where whatever fucking new Encanto 2 or whatever just has like a kid who's into fursuits or whatever in it like it it's that level of acceptance which to be clear isn't like a culture is degrading I mean like that's probably the level of acceptance we're heading towards so you really don't need to worry when random people online are like that's a it's a bit weird man because it yeah doesn't matter I just don't get like do you want it to be normalized? Do you want everybody to just like be completely down with it to such an extent that it everybody like has a persona? Or do you actually want to be a little special? There's nothing wrong with being a little special, right? But if you want to be a little special, you want to be a little interesting. You can't be like sitting there being upset when people think it's a little odd that you put on like an animal suit. Like that's that's a little odd. It's fine. It's fine. It can even be cool depending on your perspective. It's it it could be based on your perspective a bit weird to be like into fucking death grips or whatever. Like just having some kind of obscure thing. Like do you want it to be so normalized that it's not a big deal at all? Cuz I don't I don't I feel like that's almost intrinsic to something like that. And also I just straight up disagree with the idea that it's like synonymous with being gay. I think that's a little like don't 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 lump me up lump me in with that please. That's that's literally like the same shit as like oh are you really non-binary if you don't listen to mother mother? Like <laughs> I mean if you listen to Neutral Milk Hotel you are a fan. Sir I cannot say that word. I cannot reclaim. But it doesn't mean you're gay. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
Vivian, I have something to tell you, and um, I don't want to scare you, okay? Well, okay, but I'm, I am I am a, a notorious scaredy cat. Um, the podcast is over now. Three step behind me, over my shoulder, turn around, try to see, but it's nowhere. Today, today I'm going to play fucking roulette and see what you cut and what you don't. I'm keeping in faggot.